Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD homicide sergeant Bill Cannon. And today I have a very special guest. Actually, he's been on the show before he's been on Police Off the Cuff. And he's retired NYPD first grade detective, Thomas Hovagin. I won't tell you what his nickname is. I don't think he likes that. But he's uh, he's been on the show before where he spoke to us about the Sante and Kenneth Kimes case. So he's no stranger to big cases. But tonight he's going to tell us about a case that's uh, sort of unusual. But uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Billy. It's great to be back. How's everything? Good. It's great to have you back. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Tell us the story. Our fans are dying to hear this story. They're dying to hear another 19th precinct caper, right? Now, yeah, well, tell them, where, tell them where the 19th precinct is for our fans in other states and other countries. Okay. The 19th precinct is on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It's on. Um, it runs from 59th Street to 96th Street from uh, Fifth Avenue along Central Park all the way to the, uh, to the river, to the Harlem River. And uh, one, of the dubious, one of the dubious distinctions is that it's one of the wealthiest communities in the whole world, right? It is. It is. It, it, probably the most expensive real estate in the whole world, mostly residential. And do people walk with their nose up in the air like this? Or, or? Uh, quite a few of them do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the beauty about being a detective there because, you know, it's funny, like, you see them at their worst, you know, and it's not with the nose in the air. It's like the tail between their legs, uh, you know, looking for help from you, a lowly detective a, a lowly a lowly civil servant <laughs> exactly but yet you know you mean everything to to them at that moment so that's kind of, of gratifying so you solve their problem then you go back right. to the lowly then you go back to the lower rung right <laughs> <laughs> so true but uh so yeah so this story tonight it's not a homicide like uh, everyone's used to pretty much on this show uh but it, it's kind of a funny story that uh was something small and stupid that that pretty much went a long way um so let me let me name the players okay well um one of the, one of the players names is norman Schachter. now you have to picture this guy big fat overweight red-headed guy uh <laughs> pretty much going bald dirty t-shirt the whole bit <laughs> he is uh he is um he's with a woman named debbie gamel who's his girlfriend i don't know if they're married i don't remember but his girlfriend or live-in at the time mm -hmm. Uh, they decide to go to uh, Central Park with their three huge dogs that they have. Um, apparently, one of the dogs was off the leash. Now, now this is in 98, by the way. This takes oh, my God. That, that's a crime in New York City off the leash. They'll, yeah, that was a big deal. Arrested more for, for that than a shooting, you know? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because here comes Sean Considine riding his bicycle who lets Norman and Debbie know, hey, those dogs are supposed to be on a leash. That's an that's Upper East Side person. That's shy to voice right. their opinion, even at their own peril. Even at their own peril. <laughs> so this is like September of 98. 1998. So 1998. Now, I'm not involved at all. I don't come into the picture till like two years later, but this is just laying the groundwork. <laughs> what happens? It's a huge case. <laughs> a huge case. So what happens is the dog, one of the dogs gets off the leash and chases Considine down knocks him off his bicycle and starts biting the hell out of him so much so he got uh, like 60 stitches wow a bunch of wounds like the dog really ripped him apart these dogs were you know they were they were big uh i wouldn't say attack dogs but uh they were nasty what kind of what kind of dogs were they uh 
like a shepherd type, but there, there is another name for them. Um, you had a name for it in your, um, yeah. Um, but they're, they're like shepherds They're the size of shepherds. Um, that's a good question. What were they? You said the dogs were heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. They were. They were big. They were big dogs. They were like shepherds, but there like was. Shepherds. A name. Okay, we'll, we'll take shepherds. Good enough. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so they they proceed to bite the hell out of Sean Constein and really, you know, mess him up pretty good. Uh huh. Uh, cops are called. She winds up getting uh, arrested. Wow. For uh, assault. Uh, you know, not having the dogs on the leash. A slew of charges. She goes. She must go to Central Park Precinct. Like I said, I'm not involved at all. It's patrol. They they arrest her. She gets out. Um, I don't think she goes through the system. It looks like a DAT. I think they DAT'd her. Make a long story short. It stands for desk appearance ticket. Desk she, appearance ticket. I'm sorry. She's released from the precinct with a desk appearance ticket with instructions to appear in court on another date. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, we, we speak... We we speak in acronyms. And yeah, a, right. lot of, a lot of the people don't know what the hell we're talking about. So right, like the civilian should know, right? right? Sort of explain what the acronym is. Right, right. So basically, instead of putting her through the system and going downtown to jail overnight, they, they release her with a summons. That's a desk appearance ticket, like you explained. So uh, after this happened, she gets arrested. Sean Considine, the victim, uh, takes a, a civil suit. He's going to sue her civilly for all the damages and missed work and all that uh, all that stuff so during that time as they're getting closer to her court appearance now we're talking over a year later so now we're in 99 maybe pushing 2000 norman Schachter decides he's going to be the big man and he tells her listen i'm going to take care of this don't worry however let me back up a little bit after those dogs were attacked he had to bring these dogs to this particular trainer in the Bronx to determine if they were able to be trained. Oh, so the dogs were going to get a timeout. The dogs were getting a timeout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so he make, he meets this guy, Derek Moultrie. Derek Moultrie is from the South Bronx and he raises these guard dogs and he trains these guard dogs. Okay. So now we have Debbie Gamel, Norman Schachter, and we have Derek Moultrie and Sean Constantine. Those are the four players. Okay. Okay. So Schachter and him strike up a friendship. Now let's fast forward to Gamel's, uh, Debbie Gamel's court date that's coming up. Norman tells Debbie, Debbie, I'm going to take care of this and get you on a, uh, out of jail and don't worry about it. Make a long story short, he tells Moultrie what he wants to do. He wants to, uh, he wants to discredit Sean Considine's uh, reputation. So he says he wants to plant drugs on him and child pornography and beat him up and make it look like he was involved in some kind of drug uh, porn, child porn ring. Derek Moultrie goes along and says, okay, I, I could take care of that. Derek Moultrie is uh, friends with this guy, uh, Johnson. I don't know his first name, but he's from the neighborhood, from the South Bronx. He happens to be on parole. So yeah, get your local parolee to do it for you. <laughs> right. You know, one of the neighborhood guys. Now, now we're talking, you know, maybe a year and a half after the incident, because I think the court date kept getting pushed back, pushed back. Now, you mentioned also that Considine had over 40 bites from these dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, would, I think that would constitute, um, you know, maybe not serious physical injury, but surely a physical injury. And I'm surprised that if she was charged that she even got a DAT for that, because that could be considered, you know, assault. If you, if you sick a dog on somebody. But that's the thing. I don't think, she's, I don't think she did that. I think the dog took it upon himself to attack 
So she was charged probably with assault, third degree, reckless. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember because, like I said, I wasn't involved at that point. But she, yeah, she got charged with some, you know, pretty good fines. Yes. Uh, not fines, I mean charges, criminal charges. Right. They wound up arresting her. So, um, so he hires this guy Johnson uh, and says, "Listen, this is what we're gonna do. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get money. We're gonna uh, assault this guy. We're gonna ch- plant uh, child porn on him, crack, and discredit him." Then they were going to call the police on him and drop a dime to set him up. They were in essence looking to set him up. Right. So what happens is this guy Johnson's on parole and he's saying, man, I'm not going back to the slammer for this, you know, but I'm not going to tell the guy no. So here I am Sunday night in the squad. It's like 10 o'clock at night. It's not busy. I'm like, all right, I'm out of here soon. I'm looking at my watch saying, all right, nothing's going on tonight. Whenever you, you look know, at your watch, that's when something happens. Exactly. You know that. I was just going to say, you know uh, you know something's happening when you're looking to go home. Huh. In walk, And it was a Sunday night. Like, you know what I mean? Like Sunday you night. You double want to go home. Yeah. yeah. So he comes in and I sit down with him. He tells me he's on parole. You know, and I'm listening to this story. I'm like, this guy, what is he, nuts or whatever? You know, I'm thinking, all right, all right. Now, I'm, look, it's Sunday night. There is nobody around to, to, to run with this right now. So I tell him, look, come back tomorrow. We had a nice conversation, probably about an hour, and he laid out the details and all that. And meanwhile, I had one of my partners do a background check on him to see what he was all about while I was talking to him. So um, he comes back the next day. Comes back in. He's like, all right, I'm ready to run with this. Um, so now, I go. Now to you know. Now you know he's serious. He came back, right? Yeah, yeah. He's serious. Yeah. You know, you what? I, I should back up a little. He was looking to work off some time on his parole. Also. Oh, naturally. You did, yeah, no one does anything. Was, no one does right. anything for free, right? right? That was that was his uh, that was his motive. His motivation, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why he came back in. So now I, I I take it to my boss. Tell him what I got. He's looking at me like, with uh, you know, like, what are you kidding me, really? So I'm like, this could be something. I said, we have an Upper East Side guy. And we have a, a couple of players. You know, it's not your run-of-the-mill case. So um, he says, victim, all right. Um, you know, the, victim, the victim, Considine. Yeah. What did he uh, do for a living? He was a uh, an author of um, ships. He was an expert, I believe, on nautical uh, sailboats and ships and things like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The guy was a, a pretty well-to-do guy. He lived by himself, Upper East Side, you know, walk-up. Nothing elaborate. Right. So, um, so I wind up taking it to uh, the inspector of uh, Manhattan North, uh, the detective bureau, the, the boss of the detective bureau. I wind up taking it up there. He, he, my boss calls him, tells him about. He goes, "All right, have him come up." So at the time, it was Kevin Perm, nice guy. I remember, yes, I, I remember him well. Great guy. So I, I bring it up. Then he's like, "All right." He goes, "Wrong with it." So he, he directs me to the gang unit. Now, the gang unit must have been slow. So he, he gets me two undercovers and a sergeant. All right? No problem. <laughs> so now we start putting Some the things get more attention. Some things get more attention than they deserve. And other oh, things, well, it gets better. Attention. It gets better. So now we're running with it, and it, it's going forward. I get a DA on board, a friend of mine on board. Right. Now we're getting the uh, the district attorney's detective squad. I get two detectives and another sergeant running with me. So I got two sergeant and four detectives with me. Then as it's going, I made make a long story short. Now I get a, an expert uh, a tech guy, you know, with do, wiring up the undercovers. I mean, I'll explain that. But 
you know, so I, I have a whole team of detectives. But no, like, no dog whisperer though. You know, but no dog whisperer. <laughs> no. So what happens? What happens is um, the two undercovers goes with this go with this guy Johnson, the parolee, and they introduce uh, them to him, and he says they're my cousins from North Carolina. You know, they'll handle this job, and he's like, okay, and. You know, the undercovers get into the picture with Johnson and with Moultrie. And, um, you know, now uh, now we're up on Moultrie's phone. So now I get a wiretap, right, for Moultrie, the undercovers. And was this, was this pre-cell phone or cell phones just coming out around 19? I, be I believe it was they were coming out. I think it was the flip phones back then. Right, right. I'm pretty like sure. You talk about cell phones and we realized – it's when you realize going back to 1998. Well, what were cell phones like? Yeah, then? by now it's like 2001, though. Or two, uh, right on the 2000, 2001, right on okay. the, the turn of the year. So when they uh, used to, remember they used to clone cell phones. Oh yeah, I re I remember cell phone in the mid 90s. We used to take them off the drug deals. They looked like bricks. Yeah, and you know, that they, they was basically capturing the cell phones electronics and and having some way electronically putting it in another cell phone so you could just use that identifier and bang out about a thousand dollars worth of phone calls right right That's i mean right. i that was yeah. i now that you mentioned that yeah i remember right. that yeah i explained sure. it as easily as possible i'm definitely not a tech guy yeah. but that's that was yeah. common back then, you know. I just remember in the early '90s the brick, the big brick phones that the yeah. drug dealers would have up in the Heights when I was on patrol. Yeah, it was almost like back then if you had a cell phone, oh, he's a drug dealer because he. Has no, that phone. was you know that was a good indication. Yeah, you know, yeah. on the corner with a big cell phone, you know. Now everyone, now everyone's a drug dealer. Everyone has a cell phone, right? Right, right, and you know it's surprising the way the size that they were and the shape that they were. I'm surprised more of them didn't get shot. By having that brick cell phone on him looking like a gun. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely could have been if he had it tucked in his pants or whatever. Who knows? But yeah, sure. uh, but anyway, so uh, we wind up going up on uh, Moultrie's cell phone and uh, Schachter's cell phone. So we're, and, and Debbie Gamel's cell phone. So we're, we're now we're set up in the DA's office in a room. And we're listening to three separate wiretaps. This is how far this case is going. It's it's unbelievable because usually judges to get a wiretap warrant is a huge thing. It was it was, and it this was. judge issued three for this dog attack. Three, three. I mean, you know, talk about uh, getting attention. You know, so this is now. Oh, by the way, now I'm turning out of the DA squad, which is great for me. I have an open checkbook, so I'm you know what all kinds of overtime for this. Oh, we're, we're killing it. The DA squad, you know, the only, the only the poor undercovers weren't making much money, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. but you know, we would take turns twenty four seven in the wiretap, you know, in the room. So make a long story short, we're capturing phone calls between uh, Schachter and Moultrie, and then Schachter to to his girlfriend, whatever he would call. Um, you know, and talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, how much they're going to be paid. We even there was even some Western Union payments that went to Moultrie from Schachter. Uh -huh. You know, but this is going on. Like this isn't something that's happening overnight. And again, Moultrie is the dog trainer who got He's the dog trainer. Got right. the parolee. He thought right. to get the parolee to do this dirty deed. Exactly. And the parolee appointed these two guys who we said were his cousins who were actually undercover cops. They were undercover from the okay. gang. Right. Yeah. I so just wanted to retrace this so our audience understands yeah. all these moving players we have here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, 
So with that said, um, we'll listen to the wiretaps for a while. And uh, we wind up, the undercovers, and we're filming this now. We, we shoot up to the South Bronx, or to the Bronx, I'm sorry, the Soundview Avenue somewhere, some park where Moultrie lived. And we're filming the undercovers going up to Moultrie, and uh, he gives them child porn and crack, you know, to carry <laughs> out to carry out the uh, the deed. Now, let me ask you something. I'm not that familiar yeah. with the whole child porn laws, but mm-hmm. is being in possession of child porn, is that a crime also? Yes. Schachter was subsequently charged with child porn, and I believe Moultrie was too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get to it later where he got the child porn from. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, part. yeah. Um, so uh, the undercovers get the, the, the porn, uh, the photos, and the crack. Okay, so now uh, we have that. Now we have to really put the plan together. Now the plan was that we came up with is we're going to get the uh, – we're going to get a detective to be a driver of an EMS bus. We're going to, you know, we're going to get an EMS emergency uh, ambulance bus uh, for the non-police out there, an ambulance. And we're going to put uh, two detectives in it. <laughs> and we're going to, the undercovers are going to meet up with the parolee. And we knew Moultrie would be watching this. He didn't tell us, but we were, we were up on a roof with binoculars, or I was. And, we were, and sure enough, Moultrie standing on the corner while the EMS pulls on the block. And the plan was, is to go up there. Prior to this though, we had to get Considine on board. So I had a meeting with him in his apartment. So look, this is what we plan on doing. He's like, all right, let's do it. So, so he's he was he was actually an actor in this whole play that you- He was, know. yes, for a short time. He didn't have many lines though. Wow. <laughs> he just played the victim. So, uh, so the ambulance uh, is being driven by two detectives who, by the way, we, we got from uh, emergency service. We had to borrow two cops from there to, to join our uh, traveling to be, quali- to be qualified to drive the ambulance. It, exactly. So we had to get two ESU guys with us. Wow. So, uh, I mean, this is, it's, you know, it's crazy. This is huge. This is like, uh, you know, this, this is the most resources I've seen involved in almost any case. You Isn't know? it insane? Like, I'm, you got to understand, I'm going through this. And I'm talking to the sergeants, you know, and the, you know, the DA squad or whatever, and the gang squad. And we were like looking at each other, like, do you believe this shit that they're, they're okaying all this and this overtime? <laughs> it must have been really slow. Because you know? it was the Upper East Side. There's no I place guess. else in the world would they okay this amount of fun. Never, not even half of it. I mean, the cops that we had involved, the wiretaps, the warrants, the, DA, the DAs on board write me all kinds of warrants. And, you know, it was insane. So, uh, so uh, the, the ambulance pulls up. No, oh, I'm sorry. The, so the, the undercovers and Johnson go up to Considine's apartment. They're up there for like 20 minutes. They bloody him up with ketchup. Um, you know, they put I hope, I hope, it, was, I hope it was Heinz. <laughs> yeah. I think it was packets from McDonald's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's. So, so they leave. Um, they leave. And... 15 minutes later, we have the ambulance. You know, we call the ambulance. All right, guys, they were staged like 20 blocks down. They come with the lights and sirens, the whole bit. So we see Moultrie on the corner. The undercovers and Johnson get in the car. They leave. Moultrie's still there. And and they don't – he he did not show himself to the undercovers or the parolee. In other words, they didn't meet up in the street. He was just watching them. They didn't know he was there. Right. Right. 